Good morning. We're going to talk this morning about making plans. This morning, how many people here have plans for tomorrow? Okay. How many people have plans for a week out from now? Hmm? Yeah. Most of us do. How about a month from now? How about a year from now? Okay, there's a lot of things we would like to plan for next year, a lot of things we would like to do. Very few of us plan on doing nothing. And it doesn't have to be anything big. It could be something as unimportant as me planning to buy a new pair of shoes tomorrow, which I am. But there's a right and a wrong way of planning things. And we're going to look at both this morning. Let's turn to the passage. This is in James chapter 4, verses 13 and through 17. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Now, we all have, at some point in our lives, we've had dreams and goals in our lifetime. Perhaps we might have said to ourselves, I'm going to land that dream job. I'm going to become famous someday. I'm going to buy a large house. I'm going to have a nice car. I'm going to travel and see the world. The goal of the people James is addressing in this passage, it's a very common goal. These people want to go somewhere and make a profit. They want to be rich. They want to be wealthy. But how certain are you about what's going to happen tomorrow? Now, tomorrow is Monday, March 10th, 2014. If I ask a lot of you what you're planning to do tomorrow, well, a lot of you might say, well, I'm planning to go to work tomorrow. If you're of student age, you're probably going to say, well, I'm planning on going to school tomorrow. And perhaps some of us might have some daily chores and routine things we have to do every week that we're going to plan to do. But the fact is, verse 14 says, you do not know what will happen tomorrow. Now, I read a story recently. Actually, uh, my wife uh, emailed me this article. It was from the Daily Californian. It, made, it really reminded me about how fragile, how uncertain, how temporary life can be. I'm just going to read to you the story of a young Berkeley student. This student, his name was Ted Agu. Now, he was a person that you would say, if you looked at his life just two months ago, you would have thought this guy had it made. He was a defensive football player for the Cal Berkeley team. He'd played a number of games this past season. 
you know, scholarship to UC Berkeley. He was getting good grades, he was majoring in public health, and he had plans to go to medical school and become a doctor. His teammates nicknamed him Pre-Med Ted. Then on, on February 7th, 7 a.m., something unexpected happened. Now, Ted was a person who was in excellent physical condition. He was six foot one. He was 240 pounds. He's not someone you want to get tackled by. And he had done a number of routine training sessions with his teammates before. But on February 7th, without warning, he was starting to have trouble. Now, the medical personnel that were on the field, they noticed this, and they took him off the field. As they took him off the field, he became unresponsive. At that point, they realized they had to rush him to the hospital, so they sent him to Alta Base Medical Center in Berkeley. But before he got to the hospital, Ted was already dead. And they don't know why. This man, he was only 21 years old, and yet during a routine practice that he'd done probably many times before, he was dead. And there's a lot of people who are sad about him. I mean, a lot of people apparently like the guy. And this is a quote that one person, uh, one of his teammates said about him. Everyone knew that Ted had some big dreams that he was going to achieve. And it was sad that now he didn't get to do any of those things that he was planning on. And, you know, a lot of these goals that he had, they're very admirable goals. There's nothing wrong with what he had planned. He wanted to go to medical school. He wanted to become a doctor. He wanted to help people. They died unexpectedly. Now, as for each of us, you know, we really have no idea how much time we have on Earth, how long we're going to live. Now, with the state of medicine these days, we, I would say most of us commonly expect to live to around 80 years old or more. If we hear of someone dying in their 60s, it's actually a surprise to us these days. It seems very young to us for someone to die in their 60s. But even if you're in good health, there's no guarantee that you're going to have a long life. I might be planning to step outside tomorrow. I might get in a fatal car accident. I might board a plane. And if you've read the news this past week, you know there was a plane uh, just this past week, the Malaysia Airlines Flight 370. Over 200 people just disappeared, and no one knows what happened to them. It could be I might be a victim of a debilitating illness, like multiple sclerosis or Lou Gehrig's disease. And these diseases are scary. They strike without any known cause and without regard to age or where I am in life. In that case of that Cal football player, that's not an isolated instant. Now, during the years I've worked in the hospital, there have been some very scary cases I've seen. Sometimes I've seen cases where a person, they go to sleep one night, and this case of a man I knew who had a disease called transverse myelitis, he just went to sleep after work. The next day he woke up, and he could not walk. And I could go on. There's been a number of diseases where People have no idea what's coming. And unexpectedly, the next day, they're gone. 
James asks a good question in verse 14. For what is your life? Actually, we're going to play a little video of what your life is. Now, James says your life is even a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Now, if you looked at the time bar in that video, that lasted all of 15 seconds. In fact, the water vapor itself, when I timed it, it was only visible really for about 10 seconds of the entire video. That's all your life is. The Bible says your life is even a vapor, which means at its best, that's all your life is. Your life is so fragile and temporary, it's like mist. It's, um, a seemingly random gust of wind could just float away. That's not just that, but your life, in a sense, can be very forgettable. Now, you saw that, um, you saw that bit of water vapor. It was very visible for about 10 seconds. But then when the person panned back to the outside view, it was gone. If you hadn't remembered that something had just happened, you would have thought nothing was there. And it can be like that with our lives. There can be many things that we consider important that happen in our lives. Perhaps we do land at that big job we're hoping to get. Perhaps we get married. Perhaps we get a house. But the fact is, in 100 years, no one's going to remember that. And even if it is recorded somewhere, a lot of people wouldn't care that happened. Now, just um, a matter of weeks ago, we had the Winter Olympics finish. And, you know, they, they, those athletes were the focus of the entire world. But already, the names of those people, the names of those athletes are fading from memory already. Now, I can tell you firsthand, I realized how fragile my own life is. Now, I'm in fairly good health. I better be as a physical therapist. And I try, and eat, I try and eat well. I go out to see my doctor every year. But a few years ago, I was very reminded of my own mortality and how uncertain life is. Now, back in 2009, a lot of you might remember, you had, you, a lot of you were kind enough to visit me in the hospital. A few years ago, I got very sick. Now, it was something I didn't see coming. Because I was a very healthy person. I worked out on a regular basis. But it came at a time in my life where I had, a, I had some wrong priorities in life. I was extremely into physical fitness at the time. And I'll confess, I made it an, an idol in my life at the time. I made it a goal. I said, in three months' time, I'm going to have a six-pack. Now, that may not sound like a very harmful goal, but for me it was, because the fact was I was um, so into exercising, I was placing it above serving the Lord. I was really doing it for my own will. It was really a vanity project. Then one day, uh, my dentist said, you know, I really think, Michael, you need to get your wisdom teeth out. I said, well, okay, I'm, it's a little late to do that, but okay, sure. So they pulled them out, 
And it was supposed to be a routine surgery. You know, people get their wisdom teeth pulled every day. And they recover usually within a couple weeks or less. But it was different for me. Now, unexpectedly, that site where I had my wisdom teeth got infected. And the swelling began to go up my face, down my jaw, down my neck, even down to my chest a little bit. And within a few days, I was losing the ability to talk, to swallow. I really lost the ability to chew solid food pretty early on. So I went to the ER a couple times. And I'll tell you, the next couple weeks were not easy. I had to have a couple surgeries. I had one surgery inside my jaw. You can't see the scar. I had another surgery right here around my neck. I had to go through a number of different antibiotics to fight the infection. Now, praise the Lord, I survived that one. But by the time I got out of the hospital over a week later, it was shocking to me what happened. Now, I'd been fairly close to getting the six-pack. I was in the best shape I ever had been in life. But by the time I left the hospital, all the muscle mass I had gained in months' time was all gone. I lost over 10 pounds. And I was uh, just happy to be able to walk one block around the city. And I later learned, too, I had a very close call. I talked to one of the doctors I worked with in the hospital. He said, you know, Michael, if that infection had gone any farther, it would have gone down to your heart. And that would have been it. Our Our lives are even a vapor. We really don't know what will happen tomorrow. In verse 15, James says, instead, this is what you should be doing. Instead of me making plans for myself, this is what I should say. If the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. Before we even think of making any plans, we need to first even consider whether we will be alive, whether the Lord wills for us to be alive. Now, we don't think of it, but at this very moment, just with all of you sitting in your chairs, with me standing up here, the Lord is sustaining us moment by moment. My heart is beating. My lungs are working. My muscles are working to help me to stand here, all because the Lord is upholding me. In a couple of places in the Bible, in Colossians, it says, in the Lord, in God, all things consist. And Hebrews chapter 1 says that God upholds all things by the word of his power. All things includes me, includes you. Really, every day I should be realizing that I exist, that I live solely because of the Lord. I should be really realizing I'm dependent on him every moment, every hour, every day, every year. Look at, if you look at the readings, if you look at Paul's epistles, he has a good way of um, using the expression, Lord willing. So we see Paul, he makes many plans. He wants to travel to many places. He wanted to visit many believers. But you'll notice a lot of times he prefaces his journey by saying, 
Lord willing. In Romans, he prays that he may find a way in the will of God to come in the Romans. And to the Corinthians, he writes, I will come to you shortly, if the Lord wills. And this applies to me today. I should make my plans, Lord willing. Lord willing, I'll plan to buy a new pair of shoes tomorrow. If I plan to see a friend, I should say, Lord willing, I'll see you tomorrow. Another good thing we can pray is a prayer of David. This is in Psalm 39, verse 4. It's very similar to this passage. Now, David says in verse 4, Lord, make me to know my end and what is the measure of my days, that I may know how frail I am. Indeed, you have made my days as handbreadths, and my age is as nothing before you. Certainly, every man at his best state is but a vapor. Now, why does David pray something like this? Why is he praying? that he might know how frail he is, how weak he is, that he might pass away at any moment. That's not a very comforting thought. The fact is, it's good for me to know how frail I am. Because that's going to increase my dependence on the Lord. It makes me realize also, time is potentially short. I don't know how much time I'll have. I really need to be redeeming the time the Lord's given me. The fact is, it's really not my time. It's the Lord's time. He's just giving it to me. Now we look back at the, um, verse 13. Today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit. In verse 16, the Lord says, But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. At first, this verse might seem a little harsh. And people make plans all the time, saying, well, I'm I'm, going to become rich. I'll be famous. But is this really evil? Can it really be that bad? The problem is, when I make plans like this, I'm really taking God out of the picture. When I'm saying, I will do this, I will accomplish this, I will do that, it's all about me. It's a lot of self-confidence. I'm having confidence that I can do what I'm claiming. I'm also assuming I'm going to be around for the next year. I'm depending just on self. And everything is geared towards self to my goal. I'm looking to profit myself. I'm not looking to help anyone else. I'm not looking to serve the Lord. I'm looking, these people in verse 13 are looking to make a profit for themselves. In fact, it's only the Lord can really determine where I'm going to end up or what I'm going to accomplish. 
Okay, I have these plans in verse 13. But what if the Lord has other plans for me? By making my own plans, I'm really taking the place that God should be having in my life. I'm really taking God's place in my life. There's another really big problem with verse 13, those goals. When you start making plans without the Lord, you start sounding like someone else you really don't want to sound like. I'm going to turn to Isaiah. This is in chapter 14, verse 13. This is Satan talking. He says in verse 13, For for you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like a most high. By making my own plans, well, the Lord, I'm actually sounding like Satan. Now, what a person should really be saying on a daily basis, this is a famous passage, it's what we commonly call, commonly call the Lord's Prayer, or we should be calling it the, the Disciples' Prayer, in Matthew 6, verse 9. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. I really should not be making my own plans for the day. Really, I should be asking the Lord, Lord, what is your will? I don't want to serve myself and prop of me. Lord, I want to serve you. Really, the Lord Jesus said this best. He said, Lord, he said, Father, not my will, but yours be done. Verse 17. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Now, first, this verse seems a little disconnected with the rest of the passage. But actually, it really has everything to do with all the previous verses. Now that we've gone over how life is very uncertain, it's very temporary at best, but if I know that my time on earth is limited, then that's all the more reason for me to do the will of the Lord and not waste time on my own things. This verse might sound at first like it's being a little hard on people. But it's not. The situation refers to where I clearly know the will of God, but I'm not doing it. I'll give you a few examples. Perhaps I know of someone who needs encouraging, but I'm not encouraging them. Perhaps I know of someone who needs a visit, who needs help and I'm not making myself available to help them. Maybe I know someone 
who is open and receptive to the gospel, who needs to be saved, but I'm not taking the opportunity to share that gospel with them. We can have temptation to, to put these things off, to procrastinate. We might think to ourselves, well, yes, I know that, I know that brother or sister really needs encouraging, but I'm busy today. I have things I have to do. Perhaps we know of that person who needs to be saved and needs the gospel. But we're thinking, oh, well, I'm busy today. I have plans already. I'm sure another day there'll be a chance to share the gospel with that person. The problem is, though, you don't know whether that person that the Lord wants you to help is going to be around tomorrow. It could be that that brother or sister who's in a critical time of need, that might be the one chance you have to help that person. And by missing that chance, they'll be in a world of need. Perhaps that person that you're assuming you're going to have the chance to share the gospel with, they may not be around the next day. I remember I shared with you, some of you the story last year. Now, me and Christina, we were going to be friends with one of my formal martial arts teachers. His name was Jeff. His wife is Lily. And we were going to be closer friends. He was even asking some questions about the Bible at times. And um, I assumed I would have a long time to be a witness in his life, to share the gospel with him. Because he was planning to be here for a long time to come. He was planning to take permanent residency in the United States, even though he was from China. And we even talked about how, Lord willing, if me and Christine have children, we said, well, Jeff, we'd like you to be their Kung Fu instructor when the time comes. Then a year and a half ago, something unexpected happened. Jeff's dad had a heart attack, a very serious one, and he needed help at home. So Jeff and his family moved back to China. You really never know when the opportunity to do good will come or go. Now, James's last verse here is all the more convicting when you realize he's talking to the same group of people. He's talking to people who are making plans for themselves. But these same people very probably know what the will of the Lord is and are are not doing it and are instead working on their own plans. And let me look at my own life this week. Let's look at our own lives this week. Is there something we know about? Is there something we know of the will of the Lord that we should be doing that we've left undone? Now, if you've read the Bible at all, if, you're, if you've been a believer for a while, you've read the Bible a number of times, perhaps. You know the will of the Lord to some extent. You know every believer, we're supposed to share the gospel. We're supposed to fulfill the Great Commission and make disciples. We know that we're supposed to show love for our brethren and to, as we have opportunity to do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. I'm going to leave here this morning. Let's take a glance as perhaps someone who's come to mind the past week. Perhaps there's someone that you know you're supposed to help out and perhaps I haven't helped them yet. 
When you think about it, it's really silly to be making plans without the Lord. Now, if we had no idea where we were going and we were supposed to go to a new place we'd never been to before, the first thing we would do is ask for directions. Now, we could do that either through a person who knows where the destination is. It could be through a map quest. It could be through a GPS. But I think we'd all agree no one in the right mind would just go out the door and not have no idea where they're going. And when it comes to things in the world, a lot of times we ask for advice. A lot of people ask for financial counseling. And what should I do with my money? In fact, if we know that there's someone very knowledgeable about these things, we're very eager to talk to them. I'll take an example like Bill Gates or Warren Buffett. People pay millions of dollars to have lunch with these guys just so they can soak up a a little of their financial wisdom. In fact, if you talk to an investor nowadays and um, he had the opportunity to have lunch with one of these guys and pass it up, another investor would say, you're crazy. Why, why, Why would you pass up lunch with him? Then looking at ourselves, are we that eager to find out what the, what the will of the Lord is? Are we that eager to ask him, Lord, what's your will? What do you want in my life? And actually, we really should be. How would you like to have advice from someone who is all-knowing, who is all-powerful, who is loving, who is kind? Now, really, if, if I'm a believer and I'm passing up the opportunity to ask God for, what's your will? That's crazy. And why would I miss the opportunity? Now, perhaps you have a fear of what the Lord has planned for you. Perhaps you're afraid that you're not going to like the Lord's plans. I remember Eric Shorkin shared a story about just before he was saved. He was concerned, well, maybe the Lord's going to send me to be a missionary in some remote area and wear a grass skirt. And perhaps you might have other concerns. Well, maybe, well, what's the Lord going to say in terms of a job for me? Where am I going to live? Will I be married? Will I have children? I'm going to read for you one verse in Jeremiah 29:11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Other translations of the Bible, like the NASB, translate the word thoughts as plans. You can translate this verse, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Now this verse was written to Israel after it had been unfaithful to God for many years and was in exile. 
If anything, you will have thought the Lord would have no plans for Israel. And yet the Lord says he has plans for Israel and good plans. Now, how much more do you think the Lord will have good plans for you if you're really seeking his will? Okay, perhaps you still want to accomplish things in life. Perhaps you still want to make a name for yourself. But the fact is, the only things we do for the Lord are going to stand for eternity. Only the things that we do for the Lord will really count. Now, like I said, a thousand years from now, no one's going to care that I was a physical therapist or that Noah was a chemist or that Eric was a glazing instructor. No one's going to care if one of us made a six-digit salary or bought an expensive house. Now, the Lord doesn't immortalize people for what they do in the world. Let's take some people in the Bible. Now, it could be Paul was the best tent maker in all of Tarsus. He could have had that distinction. It could be Luke got the Physician of the Year award in Greece one year. But as famous as that might have made them, that's not what we remember them for. We remember Luke because he was a beloved companion of the Apostle Paul. He was a person who put down the paper the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts. We remember Paul not because he might have been a masterful tent maker, because he was a writer of the epistles. He was a martyr for the Lord. And the fact is, in regards to plans, the Lord has a plan for your life mapped out already. It's really up to us, up to, us to ask the Lord, what is his plan? What is his will? Now it says in Ephesians 2.10, I'll just read the verse, it says of believers that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Sometimes we're worried that people have not put enough thought into plans. We're very leery of a, a, hastily, a hastily made plan. We can't accuse the Lord of this. It says he prepared these works for your life beforehand. Even before you were born, he had things planned out for you. Now, I've addressed this message mostly to believers today. But the fact is, we can really, I can really address this to everyone. Everyone in this room has made plans at some point, has had big goals or ambitions. But the fact remains, life is very uncertain. Life is potentially very brief, very temporary. We don't know what's really going to happen the next day. Now, when I was in France with my sister one year, we were helping out a missionary at the time who had an evangelistic book table at the country marketplaces. And there was one girl that approached. She came to the table, and me and my sister, we tried to share the gospel with her. But she didn't stay too long. She backed away, and she said, I'm going to become a Christian later in life, 
there's some things I want to do now, and um, this is not something I want right now. And she walked away very quickly. And I, I told her, as she left, though, I told her, but you don't know if there will be a later time. Now, for those of you who are not sure where you are spiritually, maybe you're not sure who God is, well, God does reveal his will for you. He wants you to be saved from your sins and to come to know him. Now, if you want to know what that means, there's a class going on these days at 10 o'clock next door every Sunday if you want to know what it means to come to the Lord and have a personal relationship with him. Now, as, as for us believers this week, I'm talking, I'm talking to myself too, let's get in the practice of praying daily and saying daily, Lord, what is your will? Now, perhaps we do have big plans. That's not wrong to make plans, like getting a new job or going to med school. Or making small plans, like just going to the grocery store, going to a movie. But let's make those plans in the will of the Lord, Lord willing. Let's be flexible if the Lord changes our plans. Let's pray also for the Lord to show us the works that he would have us to do in our life. Now, perhaps you're eager to find out, well, what are the works that the Lord has from our life? You're eager to find out what's in the store. He's even more eager to show you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for uh, the time you have given us, the days you are gracious in giving us. And Lord, we just want to make the best use of the time you give us. And Lord, we pray for your will to be done in our lives. We ask this in your name, Lord Jesus.